Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Gospel lesson has been called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. And as you could tell in that prayer, he was not praying for himself. This is the night before he, his trial and subsequent death, and still he's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of his disciples, and he's praying for them. He prays three things. One, that they would be safe, that they would be protected, and secondly, that they would not fall away, that they would not lose faith, and thirdly, that they would be one, that they would be united, unified. On the face of it, it looks like that prayer was a bit of a failure because certainly the disciples were not protected. Almost all of them were killed. People are still killed today simply for being a Christian. You remember a number of years ago, the young girl at Columbine High School, the, the gunman asked her if she was a Christian. She said, yes, boom, shot her right in the head. In other countries, people get their heads chopped off. It's still happening. So that part didn't come true. The second part about Christians falling away or losing faith, uh, falling into temptation, that's still going on. And the part about being unified, well, not so much. There are more Christian denominations and more splinter groups off of denominations now than there have ever been. However, that's Jesus' hope and his realization that this side of the grave, none of that stuff is going to be fully realized but that on the other side of the grave, it will be. And that's his hope for his disciples. He's thinking about them. He prayed that they should not be taken out of the world, but that they should be involved in the world. And that's the part that kind of struck my fancy today when I looked at that. In the, in the history of the Christian church, there have been attempts to make sure that people didn't fall into temptation, that they kept the faith. And one of those was by starting monasteries where people could be pulled out away from the world. This happened in uh, religious communities before the time of Jesus in the Old Testament, the Qumran uh, folks out there in the desert that pulled away from people and just lived a quiet life of contemplation and prayer and praise. And it happened in monasteries after uh, Christianity a, a couple of centuries and, and went on till, till this day. And that's really that's fine because people uh, can live a real life that's not bothered by things like material possessions and sex and all kinds of things that can can derail you along the way and they could just concentrate on what they wanted to do in their religious faith the problem with that is that it doesn't do a lot for the world and if we're supposed to be in the world it doesn't do a lot for that the tough part is that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. That's a delicate balancing act to try to do that, to be in the world. And there are other attempts now that are, that are made to do the same thing. I know, uh, I was thinking back on this this week. We had some guys at the senior college that were so pious that it used to make me wonder if I had any faith at all. But there was something about them that was kind of irritating, too. We called them chancel prancers. Uh, they would walk around. They always walked around like this, whatever they did. And I thought, is it just me that I'm not that faithful, or, or, is, it, or is there something wrong with this? And I finally decided there was something wrong with it. And the, what was wrong is they didn't seem to be in the world. 
they, you know, they uh, didn't seem to relate. They didn't have any relatability to anybody. I mean, they were so pious, they wouldn't say crap if they had a mouthful of it. And they just, you know, would kind of go, go like that all the time. And I thought, what are they going to do when they get to a congregation that has real people with real problems and real stuff going on with kids and aging parents and divorces and work? And What are they going to do? And I, I never did figure that out. There, there's a phrase I heard that uh, talking about folks like that. It, it goes like this. This fellow is so heavenly minded that he is no earthly good. Well, we don't want to be that. But on the other hand, it's pretty, pretty easy to fall over on the, slop over onto the other side of this thing that we are so much in the world that you can't tell the difference between us and the rest of the world. Certainly the Christian church has had that happen over the years. We have been in collusion with the society and the world around us, especially in the areas of racial bigotry and class intolerance. For example, during, war, during the Civil War, there were churches, Christian churches in the South that actually used the Bible as a justification for slavery. How, how do you justify that? There are churches now in the uh, prosperity gospel, the gospel of wealth, that pretty much say the reason that you have this wealth is because you know, God loves you and He favors you and, and if you do this and you pray, you'll get all the goodies. Well, and so the haves, that's why you're one of the haves. The have-nots, well, tough luck for them. Not so good. There have been times when we have been the same as the rest of the world, where you couldn't tell the difference between us as Christians and the rest of the world. Jesus said that he wanted us to become sanctified. Well, that sounds like one of those kind of really pious words. To be holy, to be sanctified. But what does that mean? The word literally means to be set aside. That is to say, we have been set aside for a special purpose. Not that there's something about us that's necessarily better than anybody else, but just set aside. The Pharisees, remember that group? They were the real super religious folks. Their name literally translates Pharisee to the separate ones. The problem for them was that the separate ones got to be feeling that they were the better than others ones. It's not just separate, but better than. And that was bad. To be, to be set aside, like this, this building, for example, is, could be described as a holy building. And not because the brick and mortar in this building are better than other brick and mortar somewhere else, but because it has been set aside by God and dedicated to worshiping the Lord. This altar is not necessarily made out of wood that's any better than the wood in other furniture, but this has been set aside to hold the very body and blood of Christ, to represent the sacrifice that Christ gave to us on that altar. It's set aside for a special purpose. And you and I have been set aside for a special purpose too. Whatever God has ordained for us, for us to be open to that. Now the problem with that, of course, is that sometimes we are not as open to what we are set aside for as we might be. So we like it when God is with us. We like to have Him favor us and love us. But 
you know, we don't want him to go crazy with us either. So it's kind of like when I was a kid and I ripped my knee on a rusty nail out on the farm. And I came in to see my mother, the registered nurse, and I wanted her to just make the pain stop and, you know, make the bleeding stop and so forth. Okay, fine. So she did that. She'd dig around, make sure there's no dirt in there, you know. Didn't need her to do that, really. And then the next day she came home from the clinic with a syringe and a tetanus shot, <laughs> which are kind of painful. Well, I just wanted her to make the immediate pain stop. I didn't want the full treatment, but she gave me the full treatment. And sometimes we think that maybe, you know, God shouldn't give us the full treatment. Just make the immediate pain stop and let it go with that. We have been set aside, and if we're open to that, God will help us to find that, that destiny, that way that we have. The word holy and the word sanctified in some ways are a little bit, I, I don't think Jesus would have ever said this, but it's a little bit like the word weird. Well, you, I have made you weird. Jesus didn't say that exactly, but there are things that Christians do that are a little weird. For example, we know that we are people of God. We heard in the epistle lesson for today, I write these things so that you may, believing in the name of the Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. Are you that assured? You should be. If you aren't, you missed a heck of a chance. That you may know that you do have eternal life. Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Yes or no? Yes. You should know that you have eternal life. That's different. That's weird about us. It's weird that we do things for people that don't appreciate us and don't love us back like we heard last Sunday. It's weird that we do things that other people won't do and won't get anything in return for. For young people, it's weird if they don't want to party and drink and do drugs and carry on like everybody else and be part of the crowd. That makes them weird. We're weird if we take care of our aging parents. We're weird if we take care of people that aren't even our family and we take care of them. It makes us kind of weird, but that's okay. That's all right. That's who we are. So today in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he is saying to us, I want you to have all these things to be protected and be safe in faith and, and to be unified. I know that's not going to happen this side of the grave, but all of you are here to keep working on that. You are in the world to affect the world. You're not of the world. You don't belong to the world. You belong to me. But you're in the world to leaven the lump, to influence the world. The world. Jesus' high priestly prayer is for us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.